Hello friends and welcome to episode number 147 of Backflips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's been a while since we recorded an episode, but we're back now. Uh, Thursday nights, they seem to be like the thing that we do now. Uh, Justin, how you doing? How was your vacation? Tell, tell, the, tell the audience. Yeah, it was great. I spent some time up at the lake with my parents. They were renting a cabin, so I spent uh, three nights and parts of four days with them up there. Did some fishing, played some golf. It was super hot. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good break. It was nice to delete the work email and the company uh, Slack off my phone for a few days and just not think about it. Yeah. Came back to a bit of a shitstorm, but that's the conversation for another day but that's, uh, how, that's how it goes yeah the that's vacation uh the vacation was great i should have taken more time but uh it was nice coming back to the office on a thursday and having to work a friday tomorrow and then having another weekend so <laughs> pretty pretty easy living how you been good good um watched a lot of baseball in the last week i think i watched every game uh that's on our docket to recap today uh maybe with the exception of uh, I think I might have tuned out halfway through the first game with mm-hmm. Cleveland, but uh, we took it. We took that series. That was kind of the theme of uh, this week was phenomenal pitching from our newly revised pitching staff, uh, as well as um, George Springer. Yeah, George Springer, indeed. The dude has been absolutely on fire. <laughs> I mean, the Jays are on fire. They won seven of their last eight games. We're now, yeah, what, right. eight, eight games above eight games 500? 57 and 49. So that is huge. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's get right into it, man. Let's just let's recap, though, for the folks at home. I'm sure everybody knows uh, what happened at the deadline. But let's get into it because we haven't talked about it. Yeah, for sure. So we haven't talked about the, the trade deadline day in itself because we recorded the night before. Um, so we, we've already talked about Brad Hand. Everybody knows about uh, Adam Simber, Corey Dickerson, and Trevor Richards. On deadline day, the Jays made a big splash. They went and they traded two of their top prospects, Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, to the Minnesota Twins for Jose Barrios. Um, it was huge. The Jays had been linked to Barrios for a long time. He's still under control for next season. What were your thoughts on this one, Patrick? Do you think it's a, a fair trade or an overpay by the Jays? I think it's a tiny bit of an overpay. However, uh, there's been a lot of interesting conversations that have popped up since the trade has happened. Mm-hmm. That kind of, I don't know, they've kind of spun things in favor of the Jays. And I don't necessarily agree. I think it's a fairly even trade Yeah, I would agree. Uh, with, a, with a slight overpay from the Jays. Uh, and I, but I will say I I like everything that Barrios has. He's he's got such an excellent curveball. Yeah, I didn't uh, get to watch the first start. It was I was off the grid. He was <laughs> he, he was he was dominant. It yeah. was very impressive. He slots into this rotation as the ultimate like number three guy with that big sweeping dominant curveball. And uh, it just makes our rotation that much stronger. It's pretty crazy going from him being the ace on the Twins to being like our number 2-3 with Ryu Ray Barrios. That's a pretty big 1-2-3 punch. Yeah, but it, the thing that I think to keep in mind is that while you know he's kind of a half-year 
uh, here with us. And then we, like you said, we have a year of control. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past the Jays to court him for the long term. It's not impossible. Um, it may not be as likely as what we would all hope. However, he's here now and this team, uh, this is the indicator that we needed from management to know that this team is ready now to compete. Uh, but Barrios wasn't the only big move. Uh, well, I guess it was the biggest move, but it wasn't <laughs> the only move uh, that we made. Yeah, definitely. Um, Joaquin Soria was acquired from the D-backs for two players to be named later. Unfortunately, he only was able to pitch one inning, and then he's now on the 10-day IL with a middle finger inflammation. Yeah. But uh, it, it'll be nice. He'll be he'll be huge to get back here, hopefully, hopefully in the minimum. Hopefully he's not out for too much longer than 10 days because he would be a – Nice welcome veteran addition to the pen. Uh, one thing I want to point out about the rotation, uh, Sportsnet Stats tweeted uh, that the Jays starting rotation owns the lowest ERA in the American League since the All-Star break at a 266 clip. So the rotation, oh, even without Burrios, was doing pretty well, and then adding him in makes it even better. So um, I want to say one more thing about the, the Twins and, and Jays trade there. Um, I, took a, I took some flack on Twitter. I went online right before I went to the lake and was, was chatting about it with some people. And I, somebody told me I was an idiot because I said that, uh, what do we need Austin Martin for when we've got Bo Bichette and George Springer playing the two positions that he was playing? Um, it's tough to see. It was tough to see a fit for him. He hadn't, somebody tried to tell me he'd been playing third base this season. And I, so I looked it up and he had, had not played a single inning at third base. So, <laughs> um, I find that so funny. I think that they were Twitter thinking gets... uh, George. They're probably thinking of Groshans, who has been playing some third base. So I don't know. I, I give people yeah. the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but the people who are telling me, "Oh yeah, Austin Martin's moving to third base," were not no. correct. Um, no, and the big thing. This is. I'm glad you brought up Austin Martin because this is like the thing with that trade. People were talking about it, and while Austin Martin has definitely demonstrated that he is a strong contact hitter. Yeah. Uh, the power has not translated over uh, right. so far. It's not to say that it won't and it never yeah, will. Uh, but so far, it, from from what we've what we've seen from Austin Martin, he doesn't quite have the power that uh, Jordan Groshans has, yeah. uh, or even Orelvis Martinez, or even Kevin really Smith, <laughs> or even Kevin Smith, who deserves a look at. Yeah, show to Orelvis Martinez, by the way, too promoted to Vancouver from Loway Dunedin. He was the named player of the month in the uh, Florida State League. So the, the the dearth of shortstops that we had. Yeah. Austin Martin kind of, at first, when we drafted him, I thought that would have made Jordan Groshans oh, redundant. But the time they've invested in modeling Groshans into this uh, just excellent defender who also has just a tremendous bat power upside, it, it kind of felt like Martin was... Uh, was going to be valuable uh, as, you know, uh, a possible trade piece to land a Barrios. And that's what happened. Totally. And, and actually, Richards, Simeon Woods Richardson, who who pitched at the Olympics, by the way. He's still pitching, yeah. That's right, yeah. The gold medal game is tomorrow, I believe, or Saturday. Saturday, it's yeah. It's yeah. Saturday, right. Uh, the gold medal game for the so- women's soccer is tomorrow morning tomorrow morning early yeah, very very <laughs> early for you i think for me it's like 9 a.m yeah 6 a.m for me i'll probably be up and watching it though yeah i will be too shout out to the canadian women um but getting back to woods richardson he had actually uh risen up a little bit 
um, despite the fact that he has not had a great season no. in the minor leagues. Uh, so, again, with guys like Alec Manoa uh, sort of overtaking him, uh, doesn't that kind of feel weird, though? Like, we traded uh, Marcus Stroman for uh, Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony Kay, and now Simeon Woods Richardson we traded for Jose Barrios. And it's like, if we hadn't made that trade at all, there could be a timeline where Marcus Stroman is the Jose Barrios of this rotation anyway. So what do we gain? So our net gain was Anthony K. Or is that just like cockamamie logic? Uh, well, I, I was reading some stuff um, this week when I got back, and there's a lot of people who, when the Jays made the Stroman trade, they kind of predicted that they would be flipping Richardson in a year or two for another player anyway so it's kind of like those people were right and there was also some talk that when they drafted Austin Martin that the same thing was going to happen so I don't know necessarily if we can say that I don't know obviously yeah Anthony K is the only one left from the Marcus Stroman deal and he hasn't been performing at all this season really um, but something where Richardson has a, a 576 ERA and AA his 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 xFIP granted is 411 but he's been walking yeah, a ton of players like a ton of guys like f- more than five walks per nine the strikeouts are high too but his control has just been a little bit wild so it's we can't really with both of these guys Martin and uh something with Richardson we can't really grade them too much because they're both double a players right they haven't even made to triple a yet so it's hard to say what the trade's going to shake out to be it's going to be one of those wait and see things with with uh with the Stroman deal we we didn't we've seen Anthony Kay in the majors he's had some good appearances and some really not good appearances but already with Barrios we've traded away uh two prospects for a pitcher who had immediate impact and may contribute to this team making the playoffs um and obviously has a good chance to do the same next year and hopefully in the long term, if, if he performs uh, well enough to earn that extension that we would like to see him earn. so. And it's also worth noting, uh, for all you folks out there who pay attention to the prospect pool, the Toronto Blue Jays still have six prospects <laughs> in the top 70, yeah. according to Baseball America. So very if deep. you're worried about emptying uh, the, the very deep pool that we had, it's not happening. They're, the pool is still just as deep as what it was at the, the beginning of the season because guys like Orelvis Martinez, who were not on the list, are now suddenly, you know, cracking the top 50. So, yeah. listen, there's no reason to think that the sky is falling and that they're just going to trade away all this depth that they work very hard to build up. It's just like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Atkins knows what he's doing. We traded a... Uh, a top five draft pick in Martin who didn't really have a position to play on this major league team with George Springer and Bo Bichette in his positions. And we also traded a, a, another pitcher for a proven major leaguer who was the ace of his team for multiple years, a two-time all-star. So we've traded two guys who have never pitched an inning or hit a ball in the big leagues for a guy who has been doing it well for a few years now. So Anytime you can get an impact player like Jose Barrios, I'm pretty sure you got to make that deal. And I think I think Atkins makes that deal 10 times out of 10. So For um, sure. Let's talk about the rest of the deals, though, because they're really the complement 
uh, yeah. of players we added. It's really more. It's more than just Barrios. For sure. Yeah. In the last, so the last couple of weeks, we talked about Brad Hand last episode. Um, he's had one not great outing so far in extra innings against Cleveland, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But the Jays added him to bolster their their bullpen. They've obviously added Adam Simber and Corey Dickerson for Joe Panic from Miami, which seems like a long time ago now, but really wasn't that long ago. Uh, and both it also and, seems like we robbed them too. It seems like we fleeced Miami pretty good because Simber's been unreal and Dickerson's back now and contributed a big hit in the Cleveland series as well. We talked about Soria and then Trevor Richards has also been very good as well too. And I believe he was just like, was he not just a waiver wire pickup? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't remember. It's been. <laughs> it's time is time. Kind of seems like. Blurry. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look him up, but like, um, it really just well, seems you do to that, me. While you're looking him up, I, it is worth saying to Corey Dickerson is a very interesting part of this equation because he is a a, a left-handed bat, if I'm correct. Dickerson. Dickerson is left-handed Lefty. bat, yeah. He's a left-handed bat, which is big. He's an outfielder, which is big. Uh, and we just lost Kevon Biggio, who, again, is having back issues. He's probably had the entire oh, right. year. We're well – everybody's, like, well aware of it at this point. It's kind of sucked for Biggio because he's, he's had some struggles. Yeah. But Dickerson slotting into his spot in the lineup means that he's probably going to DH a bunch. And then everybody else just kind of has to suck it up and play uh, without sitting on the bench. We Richards was in the Rowdy Telez deal for with Milwaukee. That's right, and Rowdy Telez is hitting three twenty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's doing uh, really well, which is, which is good to see. Super happy. You know what? I hope he hits five hundred home runs. I, <laughs> I honestly, Rowdy was one of the most yeah. popular Jays we had the last year and a half. So I'm excited to see what he does. But Dickerson, getting back to Dickerson. He adds so much depth to this lineup, especially when as a left-handed bat. It gives us that extra edge, and it even paid immediate dividends in the series against Kansas City, and we'll get to that. But who else do we pick up, Justin? Uh, I think that's it, isn't it? <laughs> oh, do we already talk about Richards? That's who we are just talking about. From the, oh, right. It's a Les deal. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Are you, are you alive? Are you awake? Yes, I am. So I, I promise. Late. I know it's late, but... I, I know, but like, no, that's, that's five pitchers and a left-handed bat. Yeah, that's the areas that we said we needed, and one of those pitchers is a top-of-the-rotation starter, so... Yeah. How would you grade this? Um, B+, plus, I would say. Really? Yeah. That's very, that's very conservative. I would grade this a very strong A+. Every need that we had was met. A left-handed bat. How many arms is that for the pen? Three arms four. for the pen, which is what I... Four arms for the pen. And and I said to, to Chris Henderson, you can follow him at baseball four, the number four brains. Mm-hmm. I said, we need at least three relief arms before we, you know, we call this a W at the deadline. Yeah. And we got that and more, and we picked up uh, Barrios. So... I'm giving this a very firm A. There's no minus, there's no plus because it's not perfect, but pretty darn close to it. This is huge for us. Yeah. Um, before we get into game recaps, I want to give shout outs to George Springer and Joey Votto. They were named American and National League uh, Players of the Week. Springer hit three home runs, seven RBIs, and finished the week with a 400 batting average. And Joey Votto just did some, made some history. <laughs> 
He was the eighth player in MLB history to homer in seven consecutive games. I believe Ken Griffey Jr. has eight, and is the record. Eight it is the record. Yeah. Um, but I think over over his his uh, seven game stretch, didn't he have like nine home runs or something like that? It was it was more than just seven. Yeah. Uh, and he's hit a home run again today, I believe. So. The dude, uh, he was he was asked by reporters why he's hitting more home runs, and he said, in typical Joey Votto fashion, I'm trying to hit home runs. So um, the dude's just, uh, he's having a resurgence. He's 37 years old, and he's having one of the best power seasons of his career. So long live Joey Votto, future Hall of Famer. He ain't done. He's 37. He's, he's far from done. Oh, yeah. He's got some kick left in those, in those legs. He is. <laughs> Far from done. Isn't that kind of crazy? He could be 40 and still, I think he'll end up, uh, you know, in the American League before the end of his career to kind of extend it a little bit. He could be 41 or 42 years old and still hitting, like hovering around 300. He just has, it. maybe it's genetics or maybe it's just pure raw talent. He might not crack 500 career home runs. Yeah, holy, he definitely won't. Like, holy Christ, he could play for another five years easily if he's a dedicated bat. Yeah, he's only at 316 career home runs. So Yeah, no, he won't hit 500, but he's definitely, uh, I would think, a lock for the Hall of Fame already. If yeah, he retired tomorrow, he'd be a lock for the Hall of Fame. I mean, his career WRC Plus is 149. He's at 58.9 war, according to fan graphs. Um, he's having his best season since 2018. Um Last year, is the shortened season wasn't very good. He only hit 226. Yeah. Year before that wasn't very good either. Um, by Joey Votto standards, anyways. Crew batting average is still sitting just over 300, but he hasn't hit over 300 since 2017. Um, and he's been walking less in recent years too. But obviously, the power numbers are uh, kind of at an all-time high for the guy. So uh, we wish him continued success, and hopefully, Joey Votto keeps his career going for as long as absolutely possible i believe his his contract goes through um 2023 so he's still got at least two more seasons left and there's a club option for 2024 so yeah he could easily play till he's 40 he'll be uh he'll be 40 here in september or 38 38 sorry in september here so he's got at least three years left of him but i think it's i think it'll be more especially if he does get get over to the american league and he could be eight yeah i don't see joy Votto being one of those guys who sticks around he'll he'll kind of go out on top i think he'll go out when this contract's up i don't see him going past that still one of the all-time best canadian players we've ever seen oh for sure yeah he'll he's right up there uh with the guys like larry walker justin morneau yeah Yeah. man very good very good offensive players and hopefully uh yeah hopefully he gets into that hall of fame one day but uh Let's get into some game results. We've got a couple series to talk about. We've got seven games on all to talk about here, Patrick, including Oof. a sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Oof. This happened over the weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. First game was a 6-4 to four victory. Ross Stripling picked up the win. He went 5-3, two, two runs allowed, including a home run. Um, Bouchette and Hernandez hit home runs for the Jays. The Jays hit 500 with runners in scoring position, 3-for-6, and George Springer was 3-for-4 with an RBI as he started to heat up for that American League Player of the Week. Jordan Romano picked up his uh, ninth save in that game as the Jays returned to Toronto with a, with a big victory. It was it was awesome. Did you watch the pregame ceremony for that one, Patrick? I I didn't. I caught it after the fact, uh, and it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome to see 
the players run in from center field with all of the healthcare workers with the, holding the flags. And there's lots of tears during the video. Uh, Charlie Montoya was like very emotional, which is, it's players it's always, were too. Yeah, it's always nice to see that human side of these guys. They we we forget as fans that that they've been really going through this for the last year and a half, right? Six hundred and seventy days of not being in your home ballpark and yeah, not being in front of your home fans, and, and you, you don't really realize how much of a toll that takes on them. But the, a lot of the players, like Bichette, were really candid about uh, about how difficult it was. He wrote a great. A little uh, piece for the Players Tribune. If if you didn't read that, check it out. Anybody who's who's listening, about how excited the team was and how excited he was to be playing back in Toronto in in their ballpark. So uh, it was great to see the guys back on home soil. Um, Saturday's game, four to nothing. Alec Manoa was absolutely electric. I was sad I couldn't watch that. I was, I was at the lake by this time. Uh, seven shutout innings, allowed two hits, one walk, struck out four. Barucki and Simber combined to close that one out for a four nothing victory. The Jays held the held the Royals to only three hits in total. Uh, Springer had two dingers in that one. Was that the game where he hit the first pitch home run? Uh, first pitch one one of the two games this weekend. <laughs> mm, I, I don't remember. I, I remember. know he did it twice. I know he did it twice in back to back nights against Cleveland, which is yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I honestly, I don't remember. I remember. I just remember being kind of fixated on the component <laughs> yeah Manolo was actually, great. wow it was an interesting contest and i actually props to mike minor i i understand like he wasn't as good as alec manoa but i mean it was a very interesting matchup that i was excited to see because he is still a good pitcher he's just on a you know a, a dog transitional shit team. <laughs> he's on a transitional kansas city team that's just not getting on the run support uh and he he didn't get any support whatsoever so i mean obviously you're going to take an l but yeah, uh, Manoa was actually there was one point where I was like, is he going to get a Maddox? Because he <laughs> he was very economic, like pitch economical. Yeah. However you want to say it. Uh, and going into I think it was like the seventh inning, it kind of looked like he might be able to pull it off. Uh, but then he just kind of ran into a little bit of he had to throw a few more pitches than I think uh, what they would have been comfortable with to kind of continue to push him. Right. Um... When you're up four nothing, yeah. What was I gonna say? I thought of something. Oh, that was that was Manoa's first start coming off the IL after missing a couple of weeks as well too. After he fell down yep. the stairs in, in Boston and hurt his back, so Oof. Uh, good to see good to see him return in dominant form. I've officially moved him off my minor league squad to my main roster in my dynasty league because I had some pitchers who were underperforming. So hopefully that doesn't jinx him the rest of the season. But uh, shout out to Adam Simber. Shout out to Adam Simber. One point. 1.1 innings pitched, four strikeouts. I mean, yeah. how are you going to argue with that? <laughs> he struck out everyone everyone he faced except for the one guy. He gave up like a blue pit or whatever. Yep. Um, Sunday, the series sweep game, Jose Barrios made his Blue Jays debut, and he was great too. Uh, I watched the highlights when I got home on Tuesday from this game, so I wanted to see it. Uh, six shutout innings, Patrick. Five hits allowed, one walk, seven strikeouts. His season ERA is at 3.31. It's uh, zero with the Blue Jays, so take that, Minnesota Twins. Um, Richards <laughs> and Mesa combined for the, the, the latter three innings. Mesa gave up one solo job, but uh, overall, 12 strikeouts to only one walk for the bullpen. Six hits, one run on a home run allowed. So uh, another very good game by the pitching staff. Um, you have in here that everybody except for Biggio got a hit. Uh, Kevin's actually back on the IL with some some back and neck back, pain, something yeah. similar to what he had 
originally. So something's just been lingering with him all season. Hopefully they just let him get healthy um, and, and come back fully fully rested and healed because a healthy Kevin Biggio is still very good. And hopefully they can let him take that time. But uh, any final thoughts on that on that series? What do you what we do? What do you think about Barrios? Like I was saying earlier in the show, uh, it's that epic curveball. He yeah. just he just he just looked like he was in control from start to finish. And then as soon as he, this weekend, <laughs> as soon as he got that lead in the bottom of the third and came back out, and it was just like, okay, I'm in control. And it was just a. A, a great performance, definitely something for him and the team to build off of. Uh, I was very impressed, too, with our bullpen. I know Mesa gave up the taco, but uh, these guys are, are out there getting four and five outs, respectively. Richards with getting four outs and Mesa getting five outs, yeah. uh, you know, three of which were strikeouts. Tim Mesa looks like a completely different pitcher when, when he was struggling back in, I think it was May. Big time. Uh, I think he's only given up like two or three runs since May or something like that. It's insane. He's been so good. And when you're when you're on like that, and Mays is a lefty, is he not? Mesa is a lefty, Patrick. Tim- Timothy Mesa, lefty. Yeah. Um, it's just those kind of arms are essential down the stretch. We need Tim Mesa to be at the tippy top of his game. I know like we were already up five, nothing or whatever by the time he came into the game, but those, those like eighth and ninth innings, those have been Jay's killers all year. So to have the confidence to be able to deploy Mesa for five outs, that's the shit right there. Inject that into my veins. It's fantastic. We need it. Yep. Um, Getting into Cleveland. Now the Jays, uh, dropped the first game of the series five to two in ten innings. I didn't get to watch this one, so you have to fill me in. But it looks like Robbie Ray was pretty good. He went six innings, six hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Season ERA is at three zero four. Simber Soria pitched clean innings. Romano pitched to score this inning, and then Brad Hand gave up um, three runs, two of them earned in the tenth, and he gave up a home run by the looks of it here too. Uh, I see Vladi hit a home run, but uh, tell me about yep. the 10th inning. What went down there? I don't know. It's just one of those classic examples of your, like, uh, wrong place, wrong time, I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah, it's like, so tough with that extra runner out there too, that phantom runner. I think it just kind of, it does kind of screw with some guys' heads. I'm not saying that's, that was the case with hand, but to be honest with you, like, I watched uh i think like most of this game i think i tuned out as soon as hand started giving up runs i was like oh crap this is over mm-hmm. um but it felt to me until the vladdy home run like cleveland had this one in the bag yeah that there wasn't going to be much they could do uh to bounce back and th- they just weren't getting the clutch hits with runners in scoring position and it was just like the timing was just off right. and ray didn't look Ray did, Robbie Ray didn't look bad, but he really had to battle to get the six innings, and it was just kind of unfortunate. Okay. He, he he also it was like none of his stuff was like working properly. You could see by the line there he did uh, he did give up three walks, which is a little uncharacteristic of Robbie Ray. It was just very weird, uh, and this was yeah this was his second start in a row, I think. Where he had to battle to get the six innings. Like he's just not getting the K's. 
Mm. So I'm curious to see if the extra rest, having a six-man rotation is going to help him, maybe give him the break that he needs. Because he chucks, he's 110% intensity yeah. every time he pitches. Well, the thing with the, the six-man rotation, there won't really be an extra rest for now because they have another doubleheader this weekend. But Right, I forgot. They're, ro- they're rolling it because they have the back-to-back. Yeah, and then there's a day off on next Monday and then another doubleheader against the Angels. So doubleheaders so, Yeah, out. so technically it's not at the same time, though doubleheaders kind of hit different in that it's only seven innings. Seven innings, innings. yeah. The Jays, I think, are seven and four in uh it might be seven better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you got it. it's like eight and two they're they're pretty good in the in the short game the double headers and you know what a great way to cap off a series against boston than take a double header that'd be fantastic yeah uh let's talk about the rest of this cleveland series here um hunjin ryu had a great start on tuesday i got to watch this one when i got home from the lake uh, seven strong innings, seven hits allowed, lots of weak contact, two earned runs, zero walks, eight strikeouts. Uh, Rafael Dolis pitched a really nice inning and in two strikeouts. He's been great since coming off the IL. And uh, Ryan Barucki polished this one off uh, with a scoreless ninth inning and a strikeout as well, too. Springer hit another home run on the first pitch. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez was three for three. Sorry, Teoscar Hernandez, as Buck Martinez would say. doesn't separate the words. Uh, three for three with a home run and three ribs. Uh, it was just a dominant performance for the top half of the lineup again. Uh, did you watch this one? How did you feel about Ryu? Looked great. Yeah, I thought that Ryu should have come out of the game after the sixth inning, but yeah. they put him out there for the seventh, and he did get through it, um, and he didn't give up a run or anything like that. After the sixth, I was like, okay, we're up. At that point, I think we were up like six to two, and then in the bottom of the sixth, we got the extra run support. And I was like, I, I wouldn't do it. Like, I would just, you know, I would just run two innings of Ryan Barucki or, or six outs or five outs, whatever. But it was just like, it's hard to explain, but like Ryu just was in complete control the entire game. It, all the hits were, like you said, weak contact sprayed all over the place. It wasn't like there was ever any danger. It just kind of felt like they were in the driver's the, the the Jays were in the driver's seat from the bottom of the first to like the end of the game. It was just cruise control Jays. Right. Yeah. That's what you get with uh, Hunjin Ryu, though. On Wednesday, it was an 8-6 to six victory in a game that wasn't as close as the score dictates. Steven Matz was dominant over six innings. It was great to see that. He only allowed six hits, no runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Richards pitched a nice solid inning. Uh, Sacedo ran into some trouble. He gave up four or four or five straight hits, five straight mm. hits, and four of them were incredibly soft. There was a blooper, three ground balls, the ground ball double that was hit against him like didn't even make it to like the the short wall in left field. It was just such a weak hit. Um, but unfortunately, he was charged with four runs in the eighth inning. Simber came in and mopped that one up as he does. And then Romano actually gave up two solo jobbies in the ninth in, in some work that he needed to get. Um, his ERA ballooned all the way up to 282 after being below mm. two for most of the season so far. But uh, it was an 8-6 to six victory. Jays ended up allowing 15 hits to Cleveland, but eight of them came in the last uh, two innings. So 
Um, really, it was a it was a lopsided game with a non lopsided score. Springer had four hits. He had another home run. Dickerson had a nice double. His first hit as a Blue Jay, um, and the Jays were able to get that win. What did you What did you think about that one, Patrick? I heard you groaning there. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this one felt like it was over by the third inning. I think I was asleep by like the top of the eighth. I think I was out cold, so like the game was over for me. Um, gotta go to bed early, man. I'm I'm here on like the East Coast. Uh, yeah, Bye. I suppose. <laughs> I'm sleepy. I gotta go to sleep. Um, but Matt looked great. Very good timing for Stephen Matt to have a good performance because he's he's his last seven starts. Uh, opponents are hitting 305 against him, and uh, the ERA, uh, the FIP, they don't look great. Uh, so it was, it's been a rough up and down year for him. So great to ha- see him have that comeback start. It really helps us uh, the longer we can stretch out our rotation. Sacedo yeah. um, had just gotten called up, I think. Because, yeah, he would play Soria. Uh, yeah, who was injured. Um, it's not what you want. You don't want to go out there and not get an out and give up that many runs. It's kind of it's kind of ugly. Uh, like bowling shoe ugly. Uh, it kind of sucked. Um, not worried about Romano, though. Like, he gave up two ding-dongs, like you said. Um, but Springer had a lead-off ding-dong. And, uh, you know, they kind of cancel each other out. Yeah. Uh, today's <laughs> game, <laughs> the Jays picked up the series win with a 3 to nothing victory. Their ninth shutout of the season. Three runs on five hits in this one. Uh, Bo Bichette with the two, two of the big hits had a two-run shot and also a uh, another RBI. He drove in Vladdy. Um, it was great to see Strips rebound. Uh, he went six really strong innings, only allowed three hits, one walk, uh, six strikeouts. Mitch Bannon and Keegan Matheson saying that uh, Ross Stripling called a success tonight and recent adjustments, the quote-unquote Pete Walker special. So uh, other delivery, some more delivery tweaks for Ross. Listening, He's really buying into what Pete Walker's got to say, and I mean, why wouldn't you? Because Pete's done some really great things with guys like Robbie Ray in recent times. Uh, so it's, it's really good to see, uh, strips really bounce back there. Um, and yeah, the offense did just enough when they put up five hits, but again, when you hold Cleveland to three, you're going to probably have a good time. So a big win. Simber picked up his first save as a blue Jay is only a second career big league save. He's been just so good, uh, with the blue Jays. I'm going to have to go back and see what his ERA was when we got him, but it's down to 222 now. Um, absolutely dominant. Meza with another good inning. Richards with another good inning. So suddenly, outside of the blip from Sacedo and Romano yesterday, the bullpens had a very, very, very good week, especially since the deadline. So you'll love to see that. It's almost a completely different staff, too. I wonder if it's a coincidence. Perhaps we <laughs> It's almost like some... the guys we had weren't that good or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was sad. while it was sad to see Tyler Chatwood get DFA'd uh, when all those trades were happening. Uh, it's always sad to see a guy, you know, get designated for assignment. Uh, yeah, we did he elected see the free agency the... too, by the way, so he's yeah, no longer a uh, Blue Jay. We saw the end of the Jonathan Davis uh, right. years here yep. in Toronto also. Uh, the Yankees well claimed him, the Yankees and he was claimed already him. active for them. <laughs> wow. Good for him, though. Uh, you can't, you never quit on the athlete, and honestly, I hope he, hope he uh, has a nice long career. Just not against the Blue Jays. Hopefully not against the Blue Jays, but uh, Strips look, looked, after the first inning, Strips looked very much so in control of this game. And once he got the run support, it just made his job that much easier. The sixth innings, it was a breeze. 
uh, not to say Cleveland sucks, but they're, <laughs> you know, obviously they're in transition. Um, but then the bullpen came and uh, guess who's back? The goose egg gang, zeros all across the board. One walk, one strikeout, three innings. You can't ask for much more, can you? No, you can't. Uh, yeah, and that wraps up Cleveland. Now the Jays have a big four-game weekend series here with Boston, four games in three days. Oof. Tomorrow night's game is going to feature Nathan Navaldi, who's having a great year, 9-6 and six with a 3.71 ERA, against Alec Manoa, the rookie, who is 3-1 and one with a 2.47 ERA. This might be the pitching matchup of the series right here uh, to watch. I'm really curious to see how Manoa fares against Boston. Obviously, his second start off the IL. He was very good, as we noted. Saturday's got the doubleheader. Game one is going to be Robbie Ray versus Nick Pavetta, another good pitching matchup. Game two is going to feature Tanner Houck, who was absolutely dominant against the Blue Jays the last time they faced him at Fenway, against Jose Barrios. And then on Sunday, we've got Garrett Richards versus Hunjin Ryu. Uh, the Blue Jays have beat up on Richards a few times so far this season. This is not an understatement, but this might be the most important series of the year, Patrick Marsh. It is the most important series of the year, period. Uh, this is the moment in time where we will uh, figure out whether or not we are going to compete for the division title or yep. we are going to have to fight our way through the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners in order to acquire a wild card position. Right now we're two and a half games back. Uh, we have a couple games in hand on the Yankees. We have a couple games in hand on Oakland. Uh, you got to win those for that to mean anything. Yeah, four games in hand on Boston as well still too. Um, yeah, so if we, if we put the boots to them this weekend and we still have those games in hand, puts us in a real good spot to, to inch very close to at least uh, WC2, maybe WC1. It's, it's, it's mathematically impossible for us to take it from Boston from this series alone because we yeah. can only gain four games on them, and they're five games up on us. But yeah. still, it could be very interesting down the stretch for us to clobber Boston now, uh, and it kind of pushes the Yankees deeper into this, uh, like having to win eight out of 10 games all the time for the rest of the year. And that's really tough to do when you've got a team filled with players who just keep getting COVID uh, maybe because they're not vaccinated, but I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Um, what's your favorite matchup out of all these games? Which one are you most excited? For? I'm I'm most, honestly most excited for tomorrow. Evoldi versus Manoa. Um, Evoldi throws hard. Manoa does. doesn't throw more than 94, but it looks hard. because He's such a big guy. I hope the slider's good for him. I'm looking forward to that one, and I'm really looking forward to watching Jose Barrios play, or pitch against Tanner Houck, mostly because I didn't get to see his first start as a Blue Jay. So, um, but I'll be I'll be tuning in for as much of this as I can. I've got to go out of town for a uh, one year uh, wedding party for a wedding that happened last summer that nobody could go to this weekend. But cool. I'll definitely be watching Manoa, and hopefully back in time to watch uh, Sunday's game as well. But we'll see. I'll have as much of it on the radio as I can, though. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that matchup too. Uh, what really interests me is that Boston is all righties, uh, so yep. there's no lefties walking through that door. There's no Chris Sale. Guess what? It's all righties, and that's terrific for me. They've got to face two lefties and two righties, and it's it goes right, left, right, left. 
Yeah. It's like the old Konami code, if you remember that. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. <laughs> Although it's right, left, right, left in this one. But Manoa's been so dominant. It's, I'm interested to see how he stacks up against Evaldi, who has been kind of the most reliable and consistent of the starters in yeah. the rotation. Garrett Richards remains the weak point. I don't know if uh, if Hwanjin Ryu is, you know, by any means an equivalent of Garrett Richards. I think that's probably the most lopsided matchup of the weekend. But It um, worked out well that we have our four best starters against Boston, though. Respect to Stripling, but yeah, you're absolutely right. These are the four hottest of them, for sure. Yeah. Um, although it's kind of great, though, if you look back, having Stri- Stripling get the win off of Cleveland now gives them a lot of momentum. Well, I mean, they just took, what, three in a row off Cleveland. So. They're, they're uh, six and one at home now in Toronto. So That's right, and now we get to beat the shit out of the Red Sox. <laughs> and what feels better than, uh, you know, four-game sweep of the Red Sox at home in the dog days of summer in August? Man, I'm excited. I'm really excited for the doubleheader. The doubleheader could really set the stage for us. Because if we can squeak a win in the first game and take the doubleheader, oof, series win. Yeah. So yes. just a quick standings update for everybody. The Tampa Bay Rays are actually first in the division now at 65 and 44, a game and a half up on Boston. Uh, four games behind the Red Sox, five, ga- five and a half behind Tampa are the Yankees, who just wrapped up a win against the Mariners, which kind of helps the Jays in a sense because the Mariners are battling with us and New York. Uh, the Jays are six and a half back of Tampa, five back of Boston at 57 and 49. Last night was the first time this season they moved uh, seven games above 500. So now at eight games above 500, we're just continuing that on. Us and the Yankees, Patrick Marsh, both eight and two last 10 games. Both running three-game win streaks. Boston is three and seven. They're coming back down with earth a little bit. Their pitching has not been as good the last uh, couple weeks here as, as we all kind of predicted it would be, uh, or wouldn't be, I guess. Uh, Tampa is only five and five as well too. So there has been some ground made up uh, in the division. At one point, the Jays were ten and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox after the last series we played against them. So uh, what a difference a week or two makes. The wild card standings themselves oakland is holding down that second wild card spot we are two and a half games back of them as patrick mentioned a couple games a few games in hand there uh, i believe it's what three, three. games in hand yeah, yeah on oakland so uh the jays also own the tiebreaker against oakland for that series that we played against them i'm not sure if we play them again at all they may come to toronto once i'm not 100 certain don't quote me on that but, i don't uh, think they do yeah but... i don't know if they do or not this year which is kind of strange um but yeah, it's, it's nice to see that Seattle lost to the Yankees, even though the Yankees got got the win out of it. The Jays only have to leapfrog the Yankees and Oakland now to get into that playoff picture. So definitely an exciting stretch. 56 games left for the Bluebirds. Anything could happen, Patrick. It's going to be a fun time. Um, we'll record again on Sunday after this Boston series. Hopefully we have good news to report. Hopefully it's a nice series win for the boys. Uh, after that, the Jays are going to have a day off on Monday. They're going to be flying out to Southern California to take on the uh, Mike Troutless uh, Los Angeles Angels. There will be a doubleheader played on Tuesday, in which the first game the Jays will actually be at the home team at Angel Stadium because that will be making up a game that was rained out in Dunedin earlier this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we have to face Shohei Otani on the mound in that series. We didn't get to see him last time 
the Angels came to Dunedin as a pitcher. So I'll be curious to see if we line up against them this time. But uh, that'll do it for us, I think. Hey, Patrick, any final thoughts? I do think it's worth saying that while this is like the fight of our lives this weekend with the Red Sox, the following 12 games are four against the Angels who are, are dying on the vine. Uh, the Mariners, who are unsustainably above 500 and are going to crash and burn. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. The Nationals, who are sellers uh, and also have like half their team, uh, also I think is on the COVID list. Yeah. And then uh, three delicious games against the Detroit Tigers uh, at home on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of August. So. I don't know, man. Like, it's not the end of the world if we don't if we get our asses beat by Boston. But really, if this like stretch of games here, if we can pull it off, August could be like a month where we go like twenty-one and eight, and then you know we're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's very, very possible. It's make or break this month. Here we've got four really important games against a division rival and then a bunch of road games against uh, teams that we're battling for the wild card with. The Angels are still only six games back of the wild card too. The Mariners are a game behind us uh, and Detroit's nine games back of the wild card and they've been playing some better baseball. They sit five games below uh, below 500. So three teams in the American League uh, West and Central who are really not the best baseball teams, but they're definitely going to be scrappy and we can't take them for granted. But uh, can't look past Boston. That's the first four games here on the list. But uh, thanks for listening to the episode. Again, find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Listen anywhere that you listen to your shows. We're hosts on Anchor. Our main platforms are Apple, Spotify, and Google. The website is BFMDPodcast.com. You can find the shows there as well, too, along with the links to the major streaming services. Feel free to send us your questions on there. We've got a little email chat box. You can send it to us. Uh, you can also DM us on Twitter, as some of you have this season. We thank you for those questions. If you've got thoughts, if you think that I'm an idiot about uh, liking the Burrios trade, let me know on Twitter. I, they called yeah, worse thanks. things in my life. so um, Idiot's not that bad at all. So um, For Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saying we'll see you next time.